Welcome to Reality Student Ministries, and thanks for listening. We are all about learning how to live this life to the fullest, getting the most out of every day. For information on upcoming events, sermon series, and ways to connect, be sure to check us out online at reality.painsvilleag.com, as well as like our Facebook page at RSM. Now here is today's message. Awesome, awesome. So last week we started the series called The Grave Robber, and it's not something spooky, it's not like, oh, it's Halloween, it's going to be creepy. No, no, we're talking about the miracles that are found in, in the Gospel of John, and we're looking at and realizing that the miracles that happened way back when, right, back in Jesus' time, can actually, they are a representation of what God wants to do in our life today. Right? And so it's a representation. So every miracle we look at, oh, it's going to be a reflection of what God wants to do in our life today. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. How many of you guys uh, remember last week I gave you how many Lego bricks? Six. Okay, good job. Uh, anyone remember how many different combinations those Lego bricks can make? Yeah, Chilino? Close. Yeah? Nope. Nope. Yes? A big number. Yes, Amar? What? 46? No, way more than that. Anyone? All right, here, here we go. Here it is. With six Lego blocks, you can have 915,765,000 like 100 and like it's something ridiculous or I might have flipped that it might be 103,765 um, regardless it's over 915 million different combinations that you can make with these Lego bricks that's ridiculous that's ridiculous right and the thing is that we talked about how our bodies are made up of basically six different kinds of cells right and the fact is there's not been one human that's like another person. You are the only person that's ever lived and ever will live. You are the only person just like you. And so what, what we're looking at is, is we're, we're saying God did something incredible in us. And we started to define what a miracle is, right? We defined a miracle as something that, that happens in the natural, something that happens that can only be explained by the supernatural. Meaning if it happens, it can only be God for the reason why it happened. And so we looked at the fact that some of us said, yeah, I've experienced miracles. And some of you guys said, no. And the, and the reality is, we looked at the whole idea that the world, anyone remember how fast the world is traveling? The world is traveling 70,000 miles an hour, spinning over 1,000 miles an hour. Like, remember, it's the greatest carnival ride you'll ever be on, right? And so you're spinning, hurling through space, and yet for thousands of years, this planet has never gone out of orbit. Because if it's gone out of orbit, either way, it would have either burned up or frozen up. And yet God's put us in orbit for thousands of years, and we've still maintained, and yet so, so often we forget to even thank God for keeping us in orbit, right? And we talked about how God is a big God, but he's not just great because he does big things. He's great because he does small things as well, right? Like we have over two and a half times the circumference of the planet inside of us. If we put our blood vessels end to end and capillaries end to end, it would circle the globe two and a half times. That's gross to think about, but it's true. So God cares about the details, right? And God cares about the small things. And we looked at the whole miracle of water turning into wine. 
And he took something plain, something ordinary, something often overlooked, and often I take for granted. Like, anyone take a shower until the hot water runs out? Like, I do that all the time. And guess who has to take a shower after me? Sorry, Lauren, right? And she's like, it's so cold. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I took like a 45-minute shower. It was so good. She's like, why would you do that, right? Um, but it, it's the idea that we take water for granted, and yet sometimes we feel like we're taken for granted, right? Sometimes we feel like we, we've been overlooked. Sometimes we feel like, you know, in our family, in, in our friends' lives, like we're kind of just ordinary. We're not really anything special. We're so easily overlooked, and yet God wants to do something miraculous in our life and do something powerful so that others may know of his glory, right? And that's what we talked about of what God wants to do in that imagery of, of turning water into wine was for us, that our creator took the most basic and prevalent element on earth and turned it something in, into something extraordinary, and that he does the same thing in our lives, that he takes us as basic as we are and does something extraordinary in and through us. And so I love the image of, of what water into wine, that whole miracle that happened, is the fact that when we run out, when we are at the end of our rope, God shows up. And God didn't do his first miracle to save a life, but rather he did his first miracles to save face. He did it so somebody wouldn't be embarrassed. It wasn't some eternal thing, but he did it so somebody wouldn't be embarrassed, showing that he cares about the big things in our own life. If it's a big deal to us, it's a big deal to God. And so we got to realize that God wants to do something amazing and incredible in us. And what I was thinking about is I was looking over, I was, and I was praying through this week, I was realizing that this wedding at Cana, that God saved the best for last. The best wine was saved till the last. And I, I started thinking about that. You know that God saves the best for last. And so this might be the end of your middle school. You might be an eighth grader moving up. Guess what? God saved the best middle school year right now for you. You might be a senior. You might be a junior. You're an upperclassman getting ready to go into the next season. God saved the best years of your high school for now. It's not forgotten. It's not, oh, I just got to get through. How many days do I have left? I only have this many days until I'm out of here. Thank goodness. Right? And, and for some of you, you're like, I'm not either one of those categories. Guess what? God saved the best of 2015. Remember our, our theme this year was serving the God of the impossible. And God saved the best year part of 2015 for this last quarter, for October, November, December. And I believe that God is going to do something incredible in your life in this last uh, portion of the year of 2015. Man, it was incredible. I tell you what, if you haven't got on Facebook, if you're not a Facebook friend of our web, of our uh, Reality Student Ministry page, it's RSM, man, I, I encourage you to get on there. I forgot to put the video um, up on, on, our, uh, on our computer tonight, but it's me on top of the half dome and, and just realizing that, guess what, guys, the best is yet to come, and it was kind of this whole idea that when I got on top of that half dome, that's where I was this weekend in uh, California. And this half dome is, is crazy, and we'll show a picture of it later, but it's, it's one of those things that you get on top and you realize that over 120 years ago, man said it was impossible and no man would stand on top of that. And yet I was standing on it, and I was among 30 other thousand people uh, that have stood on it through the last 100 years to say, you know what? What seems impossible isn't, and that God can do immeasurably more than just that in your life. And so it might seem impossible, whatever your situation is, whatever family life that you're coming from, whatever school issues or bullying or team or whatever it might be in your neighborhood or on your team, God wants to do something incredible in your life. 
and through this last part of 2015. So this week, I want to just talk about the second miracle that we find in, in John. And so the first miracle was showing that God had the power, Jesus had the power over every atom, right? Turned the molecular uh, chemicals of water into wine. So the second is he has power over longitude and latitude. He has the power over distance, that no distance is too great for him. And some of you guys need to realize that because you feel far from God. And no distance is too great for God to come across to reach you. And so some of you guys need to understand that tonight, right? So I got a question for you. How many have you ever just prayed to God? It could be in your brain. You don't have to say it out loud necessarily, but you've prayed to God, right? You've prayed some sort of prayer to say, dear Jesus, even if it's, thank you for this food, amen, right? Anyone like say like a, literally a two-second prayer? Okay, how many of you have ever gotten uh, every single one of your prayers answered the exact way that you wanted it answered? No, no one? Like, I was like, dear God, just let me be a millionaire. Boom, yeah, make it rain, right? It's like, no, okay. So we have it all like, sometimes we pray prayers and it doesn't happen. God, would you just let her look at me and I would know that she's going to be my girlfriend. It's going to be awesome. And like she walks by, it's like, look over here, look over here. Like a whole circus could go be going on behind you and she's just like, right? And so it's one of those things that sometimes we pray and we don't get the answer that we're expecting. God, I didn't, I didn't study at all for this test. Just make it, make me have an A on this test, please. Comes back F. Bah! God, are you real? Seriously, dude, right? I feel like God kind of looks down and is like, really? Really, that's what you're going to say? Um, so here's the thing. I want to talk a little bit about prayer, and prayer can kind of be a touchy subject sometimes, but this is what I want to talk about, and I want to look at what, what prayer is. Prayers aren't about convincing God to do something, right? It's not about trying to get God and trying to, well, if I pray maybe this way, maybe God will do this, and I can fake him out. Ha <laughs> ha! sucker. Right, I got him. I got the million dollars, right? That's not what prayers are about. You know what prayers are about? They're about aligning your heart with God's heart. Prayers are about aligning your heart with God's heart, as well as, the second thing is this, speaking his promises that are found in the Bible over situations. Speaking, speaking, knowing that God has put you here for a reason, knowing that his plans are for you and not against you, knowing that he wants to prosper you, not harm you, speaking those things and saying, you know what, I'm calling those things that are not as though they are. I'm going to speak God's promises. And so that's what, what prayers are. It's not trying to uh, connive your way uh, to get God to do what you want. And I want you to catch something here, though. And this is something that's been, uh, over the past several years, something that's just been rattling in my mind as, as one of my senior pastors years and years and years ago said this, and it caught me, and I was just like, man, that's so good. Something happens when you pray. Something happens when you pray that doesn't happen if you don't. Something happens when you pray that doesn't happen if you don't. What does that mean? That means there is power in prayer. So many people give up on prayer. Well, it didn't happen that one time, so I'm just not. Well, you know, the first time I prayed, nothing's happened. Something happens when you pray that doesn't happen when you don't. And so God moves through prayer. And so when something happens when you start to seek God's face over a matter that doesn't happen when you don't. See, it says in Philippians 4, verse 6, God wants us to pursue him in everything, in every aspect of our lives. There's this great preacher years and years ago. 
And he used to close with a benediction. If some of you might have grown up in church, you might know what a benediction is. It's kind of like this, this prayer that this guy prays like over, over you as you leave. And it's like um, kind of cool. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit uh, in modern church now. But here's, here's what he used to say. Uh, and he would, he, part of his benediction was this. It says, you go nowhere by accident. You go nowhere by accident. You may not be where you want to be, but God can use you right where you are. You go nowhere by accident. You may not be where you want to be, but God can use you right where you are. That's true not only in location, but also in, in your heart. Man, God, I, I want to be at a different place. I want to be bolder in my faith. I want to be able to pray for the sake of God. I want to be able to get rid of this addiction. I want to be able to stop uh, harming myself. I want to be able to do that. And you're saying, I, God can't use me until I've gotten to that point. But guess what? God can use you right where you are. You may not be where you want to be, but God can use you right where you are because you go nowhere by accident. So let's look at the, uh, this miracle. It's found in John 4, verse 46 is where we will start. It says this. Then he, Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee where he had changed the water into wine. What? He changed in Cana. All right, so Jesus was at the wedding. It was popping. Did the whole water into wine thing. And then he kind of uh, went somewhere else. And now he returned back to Cana for the second miracle. I want you to catch something. Some of you guys have been in church for a while. Some of you guys have, have kind of been doing the, the whole church game thing. And here's the thing. It can become monotonous. It can become boring. Your relationship with God can kind of become stale and dry. And some of us need something miraculous, something amazing, something incredible in our lives, and we're saying, God, I just want to experience something again. I want, I want to return to my first love. I want to have this experience with you, because honestly, this is dry. This is boring. There's only so many times I can read through, like, Numbers or Leviticus and be like, ugh, right? And so some of us need to realize that we need to return to Arcana. We need to return to a place where we encountered God in a real way, where we saw the miraculous. Jesus returned to Cana to do his second miracle. We need to often return to Cana. Where is it that you encountered God? Some of you guys, it was at camp. Some of you guys, it was, it was at convention. Some of you guys, it's, it was when you were on your knees in your bedroom crying for your friends at school. Some of you guys, it was, it was when you, were just, uh, you locked yourself in the closet and said, God, would you do something in my family? I don't understand what's going to happen. I don't know why this is happening. God, would you show up in your family? And some of you guys need to return to those places. Some of you guys need to return. You can't necessarily return physically to camp, but you can return to that place where you say, God, nothing else matters but you. And I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned for you. And some of you guys are standing there in worship being like, man, I just don't feel God anymore. And this worship session's going on, and you're just like, I just don't feel God anymore. Some of you guys need to get out of your head and say, God, I'm going to stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe. Remember last week we said something, and I wanted this to be our mantra. May I never lose the wonder of my creator. May I never lose the wonder. And so some of us need to return to a Cana in our life, to where God did something incredible. We need to get back to our knees and, and start reminding ourselves of how faithful our God is, of how awesome our God is, that our God hasn't forgotten 
about us. See, I love this about camp. Um, I'll share a little story about my wife because my wife's awesome, right? Anyone else like think my wife is awesome and incredible? And no, no, no. I think we need to do just more than a hand. Like, can we just give it up for my wife because she is awesome and incredible and just she is everything I am not. So she is just so so cool. Um, so my wife uh, in Kansas. Some of you guys have been to camp. Um, some of you guys live at camp, <clears throat> right? Um, but some of you uh, guys have been to camp, uh, and you know the Heartland Campground um, and Stony Glen as well. There are some some amazing campgrounds. If you've ever been to a campground, like uh, around here, Ohio knows how to do campgrounds. Like they're su- they're sweet, right? However, in Kansas, kind of the opposite. Like it's really run down. Like they've they've made some improvements. Like they finally put in air conditioning. And in Kansas, we run 100-degree temperatures all summer. So it's like, oh, my gosh, right? And so it's, it's kind of a little different than what you guys might be used to. Um, and, and, you know, there's just, you know, there's just some tune-ups that need to happen. Um, however, my wife grew up going to camp in Kansas. Uh, I did not, but she did. And uh, as we were pastors one time, we, we were coming in, and it was the night before all the students arrived the next day for camp. And, you know, what they call the tabernacle, the tab where they did services, kind of like this space right here. And uh, we were just standing there, and, and everyone was like, hey, let's just pray over, you know, this week and all that stuff. And, and so we were praying, and, and, you know, she was sitting over there, and, and, um, and she comes up to me, and she goes, you know, what, what's cool about this is over there was where God said, hey, you're going to go into ministry. And he called me into ministry. She said, you know, over, over there... That's where, that's where I was filled with the Spirit, and God touched me in an incredible way. And she could go back, and she could remember how faithful God was and, and where God met her in a real way when she was your age. And now she's bringing students to encounter God that same way. And I tell you what, there are times in our life when we have those experiences there's a time in my life when uh, I went on a mission trip to downtown Atlanta, and, and you know, this this last spring, I actually went back uh, to Atlanta, and on my way back to the airport, I just kind of took a detour, and I, I stopped at this place where homeless men uh, sleep, and they get food, and, and um, it's called the safe house, and I pulled into this little gated area, and they're already closing up for the night or whatnot, and, and I got out of the car, and I just sat there, and I just looked, because at that building was where God gave me the call into ministry. When I was a freshman in high school, when I went on my first missions trip, I sat there and I go, man, my God is faithful. Man, how awesome is our God. And so when it says that Jesus returned to Cana, it's not like, oh, I just want to let you know. No, it was a, it was a cry for us 2,000 years later to say, some of you need to return back to the place that Jesus did something miraculous in your life. And you need to remember how faithful your God is. So when you're in the face of doubt... Maybe it's not a physical location. Maybe it's just simply you need to get to the place of of humility and passion going after God again. Where God encountered you and hit you upside the head that first time and said, man, I love you and I have a plan for you. All right, so let's continue on. Uh, Still on 46, it says this. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. All right, I'm going to stop again. You're like, this is going to take forever to get through this. If you can't even get through one verse, Donnie, come on. Right? All right, so royal official who suddenly ill in Capernaum. Give you a little uh, geography lesson. Capernaum was about 20 miles downhill from Cana. 
all right? And this Roman official, back in the day, Rome ruled this area, and so uh, Rome and the Jews weren't really seeing eye to eye. Like, this official was kind of the, the governor. It would be like your principal of your school or, or the mayor of our town. He was kind of the guy that oversaw um, a bunch of the Jewish community. And so, um, and Jesus was considered a rabbi, and so all of a sudden, like, these guys were polar opposites. It's like, they would not be following each other on Twitter or, like, Facebook friending each other or, like, hearting each other's Instagram photos. They, like, did not run in the same circles. And yet we see that this Roman official starts to go towards Jesus, and, and almost we see that the script flips. And with those that should have had authority said, you know, no, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to put Jesus above myself here. And so I, I need you to realize that so many times that in your life, you look at others like a Roman official, and you say, man, I wish I had what they had. Like, I wish I had the skills like they had on the soccer team. I wish I had the cool uh, hair like they have at the at the lunchroom. I wish I had the the, the swagger like they have, right? Um, I, I love, I still think, and I still tell people about uh, the question, what do I do when so many girls ask me out? Like we talked about um, a couple months ago, like some of you guys just got swagger, right? And it's just like, hey, I can't help it. All these girls just always ask me out. I don't know why that's the voice, but it just is. Like, I'm so cool. Um, so uh, some of you guys need to realize that often we look at others and want what they have. But the reality is they need what we have. They need what we have. And this Roman official needed what Jesus had. And so often we need to realize that those people around us, that we want what they have, they need what we have. So we're, we're going to continue here in verse 47. It says this. When he, the Roman official, heard that Jesus had come down from Judah to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir... Come down before my boy dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. As he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them uh, the hour that he began to recover. And they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, otherwise known as the, the seventh hour, the, the fever left him. The father realized that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with the whole household. All right, so Capernaum, like I said, was 20 miles away downhill. I want you to catch this because here's the thing. Here's the reality. You cannot earn a miracle any more than you can earn salvation. You can't earn a miracle any more than you can earn salvation. Salvation is a gift. Miracle is, is beyond our comprehension. It's the sovereign will of God. However, sometimes God needs to make sure and wants to know if we're serious about receiving the answer to our prayer. He wants to make sure if, that we are serious about what we're praying for. Are you really serious about what, you want to pray, what you're praying for? Are you really serious that you want to see this person healed or you want to get straight A's or, or whatever it is? Are you really serious about this? Because I want you to know that sometimes faith is measured in miles. Sometimes faith is measured in miles. And see, that Roman official had to walk 20 miles uphill to get to Cana, to get to Jesus. And he sought after Jesus. I want you to catch this. Your effort won't make miracles happen, but your lack of effort can make you miss one. Your effort won't make miracles happen, but your lack of effort 
can make you miss one. If that official didn't walk up that hill, he could have missed out. His son could have passed away. And he would have missed out on a miracle. There's a pastor that once says, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And there's a fine line between them. And sometimes we, we think, oh no, no I gotta earn God's love. I gotta earn this miracle. I gotta earn it. No, no, no. It's called effort. It talks about in James about how, hey, you can show me, let me show you my faith by my works, by going all out for God. And so we see that, that this man went, went the distance because he believed that Jesus could do something that no one else could. And so we see that he climbed that hill. John 4, verse 50, it says this, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. See, here's the reality is you don't need another sermon from me. You don't need another worship session. You don't need to go to another concert. Uh, you don't need to do another thing that says, oh, no, no, if I could just get, get there, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so. You know what you need? You need a word from God. You need a word from Jesus. You need something powerful that you can hold on to that says, you know what, nothing else matters in this world. But I have a word from God that says that my God is greater than anything that comes against me. That he is, that is in me is greater than he that's in this world. That my enemy is is under my feet, that my God goes before me and he is the shield at my back, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Some of you guys need a word to hold on to in your situation. When God gives you a word, you need to believe it. And how you believe it is going on your way. It's by turning and saying, because the official could have easily said, yeah, yeah, that's great. Thanks for saying that. Now, can you come with me and let's go and see if that really happened? Because I don't want to make the trip and be like, oh, it didn't happen. Like there's a tailwind. And when Jesus spoke it, like it went over another mile and it healed somebody else. So Jesus, why don't you come and you just come with me and we'll check it out together. That way I don't have to come back up here. Like that's what I would have done. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Now let's go and check it out just to be sure. Right? No, no, he said, you know what? Okay, Jesus, you gave me your word. I believe you. And he turned and walked. That's what I think is so incredible about this. So miracles always start with a word from Jesus. You know, in John 15, verse 7, we've talked about this before, but it says, you know, abide, let my words abide in you, in you and them. And then you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be granted to you. It's talking about abiding in God's word. You got to get a word from God. You got to spend time with Jesus. You got to be in his presence to say, you know what, God, I got to hold on to this truth. Because whether you're facing something hard right now or you're going to be facing something in the future, you're going to need to hold on to the word. Because guess what? Everything else will fall away. Your friends will fall away. Your family will fall away. And the only thing that's going to remain is God's word. And so you need to be sure to hold on to God's word. You need to make sure that you aren't just seeking the answer, but you're seeking Jesus. I just got to have the answer. I just got to get, I just got to see the miracle. No, no, no. You need to seek Jesus. You need to seek Jesus because Jesus is the only way that you can get your answer. So what we're going to talk about here for a real fast second is this. And, and so often we can think that prayers are a formula. All right, if I say this right thing, then I'm going to get this. If I put this in, right, like we're all about mathematics all of a sudden. Like I'm horrible at math. Like A plus B does not equal C. I don't even understand why letters are in math. I thought math was about numbers. And all of a sudden, like, I got to high school. I'm like, huh? I was very upset. 
I was like, they ruined the alphabet for me. I liked like the alphabet, but now I hate it. Um, and so here's the thing. We want to put our prayers into a formula because we think that that's the way that we're going to get in here. Prayer is not a formula. But I want you to realize that prayer is all about aligning your heart with the heart of God, right, to see the bigger picture. And so uh, these next couple steps that we're going to talk about is, is talking about how do we align our heart with God. Not how do we get every single prayer that we pray answered, because all of a sudden all of you guys are going to become millionaires like tomorrow, right? Um, but it's about aligning our heart to see the bigger picture of who God is and who he's called us to be. So this first one is this. Number one is this. Stay overnight. Stay overnight. Pull an overnighter with Jesus. You're like, what are you talking about? Has anyone ever stayed up all night, like, or super late into the night? All right. So that's crazy because I never did that until I was in college. And I had to pull an overnighter just so I could uh, finish a couple papers. Right. I, I think I pulled two, maybe three overnighters in my whole life when it came to uh, writing writing papers and stuff like that. And so it was one of those things that, um, you got to pull an overnighter. Why? Because something happens when you pray that doesn't happen when you don't. Luke 11 verse 5 through 8 says this, and he said to him, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived. and I have nothing to set before him and giant eagle is closed for some reason. No, it doesn't say that. Um, and he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, at least because of his persistence, he'll get up and give him whatever he needs. See, here's the thing. Some of you need to pray and stick in it for the long haul. Don't just do these flippant prayers of, God, I pray that you do something big. Okay. And just never come back to it. Well, I guess, I guess it just didn't happen. Some of you need to be like that Roman official. Instead of just going up, he could have easily been one mile into it and been like, this is stupid. Never mind. I'm just going to go back and try to find a doctor. This is dumb. Right? No, no, no. He walked it took a two-day journey to get there, and it took a two-day journey back, and he walked there to, to find Jesus. Some of you guys need to pull an all-nighter so you can find the heart of Jesus in this situation. So you can say, you know what, God, I am going to stay up so that I am, so I can find you. And I'm not advocating, hey, you stay up, and your parents are like, go to bed. No, I'm looking for Jesus, right? Right, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the sense of being persistent, you need to go all out. You need to go past your comfort zone. You need to go when you feel tired and you feel like you're done praying for something, you need to realize that, you know what, let's go past my comfort zone. I feel like I should be done with this prayer, but I believe that God is going to do something and I'm going to be persistent and I'm going to keep seeking the will of God. I'm going to keep seeking his heart and I'm going to pull an old nighter. I'm going to go past my comfort zone. That's what we're talking about is going past our comfort zone. Second thing is this, hold fast, hold fast. What does that mean? It basically means white-knuckling God's promises. That video before, uh, before worship was talking about the promises of God. God will do this. God will do this. God will do this. And we start seeing that God has tons of promises throughout Scripture. And we need to hold on to those promises. So often we're like, well, I guess that was just for back then. I guess that wasn't really for right now. I guess, you know, I guess that really God doesn't really care about my, my family situation. God doesn't really care if my parents are together or not. God doesn't really care if I get all A's or, or not. 
I guess that's just really, no, no, you need to hold fast that God's promises for you are yes and amen, that, they, that he has plans to prosper you, that he wants you to succeed in life, that he doesn't want you to be a failure because he cares about you, because you are a representation of him to the world. And so you need to white-knuckle God's promises. And here's the thing. Luke 11, verse 9 through 10 says this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. You need to realize that God has some faithful things in store for you. And like I, I hinted at before, um, this last weekend, my dad, who's 65 years old, and I climbed um, in California a, a large rock that's called the Half Dome. If we have a picture of that real fast, that's the Half Dome. Um, it's very big. It's over 8,000 feet. It's almost 9,000 feet. It's 8,800 feet. If you see at the top there, there's a little bit that kind of juts out. I was actually standing at that point um, a couple days ago on top of that rock. In 1890, uh, that was the first time that anyone had ever gotten to that point on top of that rock. And all before that, people said that that was going to be impossible to do. But ever since then, thousands of people have since climbed on top of that. And this is what I want to get at here is, is there's a path on the other side. You don't see it on this side, but on the other side of that rock, there's a pathway. It's not any easier, but there's a pathway. And there's a part where uh, as Dad and I climbed up, we started about 6.30 in the morning. And we're climbing up, and literally, like, you're, you're walking up this place and some of you, who in here is not graceful? Like, you'll just admit, I am not graceful. Like, okay, so uh, you would not be good at this point because you're walking up, and this is called the subdome. Like, it's, it's the little one right before this one. You can kind of see it off to the left right there. And so you're walking up, and literally there's steps here. And here, hundreds of feet cliff down. Here is sort of rockiness, and then here is like a, a hill, and you're like, oh dear Jesus, oh, oh dear Jesus, oh, right, and so you're walking up this, and the whole time I'm thinking, it's taken me six months to get to this point, is it really worth it, do I really want to go up this, I just kept thinking, oh dear Jesus, and you know what I kept having to repeat, even pastors get scared, don't worry, but, but it was this thing that, you know, I've not been given a spirit of fear, not been given a spirit of fear. God, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Is this really a sound thing to do right now? Like, this seems stupid to me. What am I doing? Like, and so I'm up there, and then at some point, you, you don't even have, like, a pathway. It's literally just this rock face, and so I'm kind of like, I'm like this, grabbing on. Okay, Dad, I think we, I think we just keep going. And so hands and feet climbing up on top of this. Super scary. And then you get to the, the half dome. Then you get to that thing. And you're like, oh, I think I just pooped my pants, right? And so many people get to the bottom of it, and um, there's just 400 feet left. And there's these cables that they just, they've drilled holes into the rock and just threw a metal rod in and then kind of looped a cable into it. So it's like, oh, yeah, that could, like, easily pop out. Um, and so... 
It's not just a 45, it's more of a, about a 70 degree angle as you're climbing up here. And people got there and, and they go, I can't do this. And they turned around. Like we kept meeting people that, no, I can't do it. I'm just too scared. And me personally, I am one of the biggest weenies when it comes to heights. Like I am super scared of heights, right? And so there's cliff, cliff, ugh, and cables. And then the really scary like trying to get down part by going down uh, the subdome there. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And so I put some gloves on and we had these gloves. And, and honestly, we actually had, my dad was like, hey, let's, let's get this harness and like uh, click into the cables. That's great, except for dad got like a harness long enough for him or this, uh, it's called a quick draw, long enough for him, because he's kind of a short guy, short arms, like a T-Rex. Uh, and so he's like, do, 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 do. Um, however, I got longer arms. And so this quick draw was like, I can't, Dad, this doesn't work. So I had to like click a bunch of carabiners in, which these carabiners were not climbing carabiners, which means every time you click in, it actually weakens it. And these things were like, if I fell, basically, this would have done nothing for me. But it was just my peace of mind knowing that somehow I was clipped in. It's like, okay, sure, right? And so you start to pull up. You start to get up, and every eight feet or so, there's a, a plank that you, like, try to balance on, and then you're like, okay, one, two. Okay, how you doing up there, Dad? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Okay, we got this. Just 390 feet more left. It's going to be awesome, right? And so you just keep going and keep going. You keep pulling yourself up. And, and I want you to know this, that when you when – you're at this point sometimes, and you're like, I want to be up there. That's where I've been looking at for six months. I want to get up there. I want to be on top like that. I've studied. I've, I've, you know, I, I've gotten paid the money. I've gotten all this stuff, and now I'm here. And almost some of us can be like that in our relationship with God and say, you know what? It's not worth it. Forget this. That's super scary, right? This is just stupid. Like, I can't get up that. And God's saying, how serious are you about that? Because guess what? On top of that mountain, I have some incredible things in store for you. And some of you need to white-knuckle God's plans like I was white-knuckling that stupid cable. Because I tell you what, my forearms are sore still from pulling myself up uh, on this cable and saying, I am, the only thing that's holding me on this cable is God and my strength. Like, you're just pulling yourself up, and you're just pulling and pulling and pulling. And some of you guys need to get to a place in your relationship with God, where you are white-knuckling God's promises and saying, you know what, God, I know that you said that you have plans for me. I know that you love my, my brother and my sister, and right now they're not seeing what I'm seeing. They don't understand who you are, and I know that you are going to do something incredible, and I'm going to still pull myself up onto your promise because I believe that you are going to do something. I believe that you're going to do something in my family's life with my father and with my mother. I believe that you're going to do something at my school, in my team, in my neighborhood. I believe God and I'm going to hold on and I'm going to do everything I can believing that you're going to do everything that you need to do to get on top of this because I believe that my God is faithful and some of you guys need to white knuckle the promises of God you need to hold fast you need to white knuckle those promises believing that God is going to do something incredible in your life because the miracle sometimes the last 400 feet you can go the whole way in the last 400 feet before you see that miracle in your life could be the hardest part. It makes you want to give up, makes you want to turn back around, makes you want to miss out. The third thing is this, stand still. Stand on God's word. 
Stand still. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. See, so many of us allow reasoning and illogic to cloud our thinking, but we need to fill our thoughts with, with what the Bible says, and we need to think upon those things which are good and pure and right and holy. I love what Acts uh, 1 verse 4 says this. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the Father. Don't leave. You got to tarry. You got to wait. You got to stand still. Jesus was saying this as he was talking to his disciples after he had uh, risen from the dead and he was about to ascend into heaven. He said, no, no, no. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't peace out yet. Don't turn around from the half dome yet. Don't go on and say, well, I guess the show's done. No, no, no. You need to stand firm. You need to stay right here. You need to wait because the promise of the Father is coming and it's going to be powerful. Some of you guys need to stand on the promises of God and not just give up on your parents, not just give up on your siblings, not just give up on your boss, not just give up on your school saying, hey, this is the only way it's going to be. My school is full of bullies and it's always going to be. Hey, this is the only way it's going to be. I can't get an A if my life depended on it and I'm just never, I'm just never going to do it. Hey, this is the only way it's going to be. I'm never going to get to start on the varsity team. This is the only way it's going to be. You need to stand firm on the promises of God. You need to start saying, you know what? I'm going to stand still right here knowing that I've done everything else, I'm going to stand still. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn back and just say, well, forget that. Forget that. But when all is said and done, we don't seek the miracle. We seek Jesus. When all is said and done, you don't just stand and say, you know what? I need an A, I need an A, I need an A. No, no, no. You say, you know what? I need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. God, show me how I can be an A-plus student. God, show me more of your heart for my school, of how I can, how I can uh, help the bully situation, how I can uh, be excellent in everything that I do. I'm not going to just seek the answer. I'm not just going to seek the miracle. I'm going to seek Jesus. The Roman official sought after Jesus because he knew that Jesus had the answer. He made the long trek to seek him like we must. And on his way back, his servants met him and told him his boy was healed. And he said, at what time? It said the boy was healed at the seventh hour. But he didn't find out that the boy was healed then until the very next day. And so some of you need to realize that your answer doesn't come immediately. You know, back in 2003, I prayed a prayer that I thought was, was it might have been a little selfish. But I was actually in a very dark place. I was very depressed. And I said, God, you know what? I know that you have not caused me to live this life alone. I know that I'm not supposed to be alone in this life, and I know that you have a partner for me. I know that you have a spouse for me, but I don't know how it's going to be. I'm kind of a loser, if you haven't noticed, God, and I don't really have it all going on, but I know that, that you have called me into this. I feel like you, you're going to give me a spouse, but no, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And, and some of you guys uh, think that, oh, that was awesome, because in 2009, I got married to my best friend. I got married to my wife, and it was awesome, and it was incredible, and, and all of a sudden, you guys are like, oh, sweet, so it took like six years for your prayer to get answered. No, it didn't take six years for my prayer to get answered. My prayer was answered on the day, on the day that I prayed it, in 2003. But for some of you, 
you got to realize that when you pray, your prayers are answered. But you got to turn around, you got to take God's word, and you got to walk back to that situation. And on his way back was when he found out. He didn't realize at that moment, oh, sweet, let me call, let me get out my cell phone. Hey, how's he now? Oh, it's Jesus, sorry. They said he hasn't gotten healed yet. Can you, can you do that again? He did it again. Did you get it? Is he okay? Okay, sweet. Thanks, Jesus. All right, I'll head back now. Like, that wasn't how it went down. Jesus said, hey, your boy's going to live. Oh, okay. He turned around. He headed. Some of you need to realize that the answer to your prayers might not be immediately, but it's coming. And you can't just give up. You can't say, well, I guess I, guess I should call the funeral director. Jesus isn't coming down to pray, so I guess I might as well give up. No, he went down in faith. And some of you need to mark tonight maybe. Might be a moment for where it's your seventh hour and you said, you know, I'm praying tonight. God, before I hit my, before I hit my bed, I'm praying tonight. I want to see breakthrough in my family. I want to see breakthrough in my school. I want to see breakthrough in my neighborhood. I want to see breakthrough in my, in my uh, community. And some of you need to mark tonight as that night of breakthrough. Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could seek, or ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Thanks again for listening to this message from Reality Student Ministries. Our hope is that you've learned a little bit more of who God is and who he has called you to be. For information on how you can get connected to our student ministry, be sure to check us out online at reality.painesvilleag.com or like our Facebook page at RSM. Now get out there and have an incredible day.